Hey guys, this is our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you found us. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about following Jesus, loving God, and serving one another. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com or check out the Clemson Foothills Church YouTube channel. We love learning what God says to us in His Word, and we hope this podcast helps you to do that as well. With all that said, let's dive into the episode for this week. Have you guys been enjoying reading Isaiah 40? Has that been uh, a neat thing for you guys? Hey, Sarah. Did you have the other part of my notes? Hmm? Are they in the car? Baby back? All right. Well, we're just going to roll with it here. All right. So, I don't know about you guys, but uh, typically when I get into... Um, I on four. When I get to Isaiah 40, I typically focus on the end of it, you know, but reading it and taking some time to look into it, man, what an amazing scripture here and what, an, uh, what a cool part of, uh, of Isaiah, actually. Mm-hmm. Isaiah 40 is like a transitioning point in the book, if you didn't know. And one of the things Isaiah is talking about at the beginning is there's this idea of judgment and this idea of hope and um, there was some punishment and they were in exile and Isaiah 40 is the part where they come out of exile and so there's that's a really neat place to start but I want to I want to jump right in here and we're going to read this last little bit uh, let's start in 27 it says Jacob, why do you say, and Israel, why do you assert, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my claim is ignored by God, by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? Yahweh is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth. He never grows faint or weary. There is no limit to his understanding. He gives strength to the weary and strengthens the powerless. Youths may faint and grow weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And I don't know, I love this. There's a reason why everybody goes back to this section right here. Yeah. And But as I was reading it, Oh, sweet, my notes. That's awesome. <laughs> Just in time. Um, one of the things that I noticed right off uh, here is that, that there is a need for hope. There is a need for trust in God. Um, and I don't know, we see here that the guys, the Israelites here, they were in exile and there was this need for hope for them. That they had been exiled, they had felt alone, and they they needed God. They needed they needed some hope. Um, but I don't know about for you. Maybe you felt wrong, or you've been wronged. Maybe you've been hurt. Uh, maybe you've been disappointed. Maybe there's been some family issues or job issues. Maybe money's tight. 
maybe you're tired. Uh, I think one of the things that's crazy here is we earlier in 40, it's like we, we think about our mortality as people. You know, life is short. You know, we, we die. And, and sometimes, I, I don't know, I feel like that's kind of in our face now because of COVID. But our mortality is a real thing. We are going to eventually die, and our life is short. Um, you know, we can think, uh, you think about sin and the consequences of our sin. Um, all of these things can make us feel hopeless, can make us feel uh, a longing for something more, make us feel like something's not right in our life. And, um, and really, every one of us, it, at any point in time, and actually most of our lives, we need, to, we need hope, you know? Yeah. Right. And and one of the things I never really understood it here until recently is in um, it says in, in 30 here it says youths may faint and grow weary and young men stumble and fall. What they're saying there is not that specifically talking about young people, but the idea that the best among you will falter. Even the people that you're like, that person's perfect. This, that person is, like you think about, uh, what was it, Dak Prescott, and he broke his ankle. That guy is like, he's an awesome football player, and he's fragile. He, yeah. he broke his ankle, and he's out. You know, and I think, what, the, did the Cowboys already drop him? It's, it, it's, not. it's nuts. Uh, I don't know if that's true. Check ESPN for that. Fact check me on that. Um, but, but the idea is that the best among us will fail. The best among us have weaknesses. And, and we all need hope. It says, it says right here, this is the part I really want to focus on, is uh, 31. But those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. And different versions say different things. This is a Holman Christian. It says trust. Other scriptures uh, say hope. Uh, uh, other scriptures say wait for the Lord. And, and I want to talk about that for a little bit. There's this idea of anticipation, uh, this idea of longing. Um, but the word that's used right there is, uh, I'm not going to pronounce this right. It's kava, it's Q-A-V-A-H, and that's a Hebrew word. And it's one of two main words that's used for hope in the Old Testament. In Hebrew, the, the first one is yakal, and that's Y-A-K-H-A-L. And the main meaning of that word is to wait, okay? The other meaning of hope uh, is this kava. It also means wait, but there's this idea of tension, like cords being pulled tight. And uh, it's kind of described, or it might, you might think of like a farmer who, who plants a crop, who plants a field and is waiting in expectation for it to produce its fruit. This idea of waiting for something to happen. And, and that's the word that's used, is that it, it's, it's this idea of on, I'm waiting in expectation of the Lord. Yeah, that's good. It's not necessarily waiting for my circumstances to change or waiting for something like that. It's I'm waiting for my... 
I'm waiting for the Lord to, to, to do his work. I'm waiting on him. Um, I really like in Psalms 130, uh, you can turn there. I want to read this to you. It, it's got an, a good example of these words, but I, I think you get an idea of, of the hope that I'm talking about. It's, uh, and this is one of the songs of ascent. It says, Out of the depths I cry to you, Yahweh. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. Yahweh, you have kept, if you kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait, and that's kavah, for Yahweh. My whole being waits, kavah. And in his word I put my hope, yakal. I wait, kavah, for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope, yakal, in the Lord. For there is faith, for there his faithful love, I'm sorry, for there is faithful love with the Lord. And with him is redemption in abundance. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. And I think what's interesting here is you get an idea of these two different words and this idea of patiently waiting, this idea of the tension of God said he's going to do something and I'm waiting for him to do it. It's really not so much an optimism that our circumstances will change, but that uh, a trust and a hope and a waiting for God to do what he said he would do. So this is an interesting thought is that, that a biblical hope is we look forward while looking back at how God has treated those in the past. It, it, it's, this is why studying our Bible is so important. It's because we get to see who God's character is. We get to see what he promised and what he did. And that is what we're supposed to put our hope in. We see how he treated the Israelites coming out of Egypt. Oh, there's 10 minutes. All right, I'm almost done here. We see how he treated the Israelites coming out of, out of slavery and then parting the Red Sea. There's this, this craziness that God does. And we hope that he will do that same for us. And we wait for him to do it again. We see that Jesus came. God had a plan for, for Jesus to come. And he lived a, a perfect life. He died and then was resurrected. And we see the power in Jesus. And we kavah. We wait. We put our hope in the Lord that the same God that rose Jesus from the dead will do that in our lives. Amen. Good, man. We put our trust in God's character. Psalms 39, 7. And now, O Lord, what else can I kavah for, hope for? You are my yakal. You are my hope. The good news is that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is a surprising response to our sin, just like it was the Israelites' salvation. 
out of Exodus or out of Egypt and the Exodus out into the wilderness through the Red Sea. We have hope that God's power and strength will save us from the evil of this world and the evil of sin in our life. So what is your hope in? A better future? You put your hope in your abilities. You put your hope in your preacher, your pastor, your church. We must look back into the scripture to see how God really is. How he really acts. What he really does. And put our hope in the fact that he will do it again. Amen. All right. And I want to read. I don't have time. I'd love to read through this whole thing. But hopefully you've been reading a lot and you're hearing. Man, they're saying over and over. God is eternal. His word is eternal. He brings strength. He brings all of this stuff. Power doesn't come from us. Power comes from Jesus yeah. and from, Amen. from himself. So, Amen. All right, guys. Love you. Love you, man. Love you, man. Evening, everybody. Thank you, thank you. So uh, we've been going through in October uh, a month of prayer and fasting and intentionality to respond to everything that's been going on in 2020 and to also look forward to what's coming at the end of the year and uh, even next year, if you can think that far ahead right now. Um, I wanted to take some time tonight to specifically look at what's coming up with the election, Um, take some time to consider the political landscape, and um, before your walls come up or triggers go off, uh, I want to uh, reassure you that I'm not here to tell you how to vote. I, I didn't get up here to uh, demonize one side or the other. Um, I also don't want to uh, even tell you not to vote. Um, that's personally where, where I'm, I'm kind of at right now, but uh, I'm not going to uh, paint politics as, as evil and all bad and, and the church is all good. Um, I don't think it's that simple and I don't think it needs to be uh, portrayed as such Um, but I do want to look at politics because uh, it's important it's important to a lot of people and uh, it's very real and present right now and I think we need to uh, be intentional about how we approach these topics and how we handle our relationships in regard to this um I am here also to encourage you to have the right priorities that uh, church government has its place and laws and systems and authority structures all have its place uh, but God has a better place and uh, I think I, I, I think that I don't think that politics is idolatry. I do fear that a lot of professing Christians would rather put their faith 
in human structure and human effort and something that seems more tangible uh, or something that's simpler, easier to understand, uh, that may feel more secure or within our control. And I think that can be idolatry. Um, can be motivated by a lack of faith. Can be motivated just by fear. Can be motivated by an ignorance of God's character, an ignorance of His involvement, um, or priorities, or His plan. I uh, I am going to not do what Ben did. I'm going to read the entire chapter. Um, actually, I'm going to phone a friend and call on the audience. Lucas, would you mind reading the first 15 verses? And then Josh, would you finish the chapter? And uh, I would encourage you to read it slow and loud and uh, encourage everyone to listen well, have ears to hear. I know that can be a lot to listen to. Uh, But it's important, and it's worth it, and that's why we're here. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her, that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand Christ for all her sins. The voice cries, when the wilderness prepares the way of the Lord, makes straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Cry, and I say, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers. The flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain of Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might. His arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense for before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom, gently lead those who are, that are young. <clears throat> who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, and marked off the heavens with his span, and closed the dust of the earth in a measure? and weighed the mountains in scales, and the hills in a balance. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord, or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult, and and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice, and taught him knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket, and they are counted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the like fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him all the nations are as nothing. 
they are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. With whom then will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? As for an idol, a metal worker casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it. A person too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. They look for a skilled worker to set up an idol that will not topple. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and his people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither, and the whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens, who created all these. He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I wanted you all to feel involved. Um, I appreciate Ben pointing this out at the beginning of uh, him speaking as well. Verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my cause is disregarded by my God? With all of these things in 2020, uh, the virus and violence and the economy and just life, regular life, um, I think it's easy to uh, be kind of disoriented by all of this and, and have what I've heard described as kind of an experiential problem with God, where here, uh, God's people, they, they know the Sunday school answers, but in their heart of hearts, they're questioning, my way is hidden from God. He's, he's disregarded me. So it's either God's not willing or he's not able to help us. And, and I know the right answer is that God is good and he's loving and he's kind, but what I'm experiencing doesn't match that. And if he is those things, then I'm, I'm expecting something different. So there's a disconnect. As it's, there's a lack of reconciliation of, of these ideas. Of, there's a disassociation which turns to why am I forsaken. Yeah, exactly. And we see that all throughout the Bible. Uh, even when the Israelites leave Egypt, they named places quarreling and questioning and... You know, why is God with us or not? Like, they grumbled against him, and uh, that's, that's not something that's just limited to this chapter. That's part of all of humanity. My family group's been studying in Habakkuk, where uh, this prophet goes through the same thing. He's, he's experiencing this disaster, and 
he's frustrated and he's confused and he's sad and he's scared and he cries out to God and he's like, I don't understand why this is happening. Like, if you're good, then how can you allow this? When is this going to end? How much longer are you going to make us wait? And God's like, I'm aware of what's happening. I'm involved. And my plan is like in motion. And it's so good that if I told you right now and you watched it happen, you literally still wouldn't believe that it's happening. And then, and then Habakkuk is still like, I don't know if I agree. <laughs> and, and then he's like, I, I don't understand why you would use someone evil. And like, so are you just going to let them prosper? Are they just going to be the big dogs forever and, you know, be king of the hill? And how, how is that? How are you, how's, how's that justice? How are you helping? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, it's, it's interesting that, um, in the same way with us, I think God is aware and God is involved and God is acting. He's not surprised. He's not. He's not unwilling and he's not unable to help. And even when Habakkuk comes back to him with more questions and confusion, God takes the time to explain it to him. And Habakkuk says, I'm going to wrestle with this and deal with it faithfully and not just grumble against you and give up. And so God says, I'm going to make this so clear for you that like anyone could write it down and go tell my message. And I think in the same way, we have to have that faith of not having an experiential problem with God, but allow our experiences to grow our faith with what we're going through, that we're not forsaken. God is not unaware of what's going on. He wasn't surprised. He isn't scrambling to hopefully make 2021 better than 2020 was. This is all part of his plan, and he's... If he doesn't author every single little thing, then he is sovereign and allows it and signs off of it. And he's perfectly happy. He's perfectly content. Nothing can wrest any kind of authority or, or get away from him. He even is okay with that. Just, just once. Um, so I wanted to ask you... Um, Are we going to be agents of love, agents of unity, agents of grace and humility? Are we going to be good listeners? Are we going to be understanding? Or instead of being faithful, are we going to be fearful and trying to control things, trying to be loud, uh, just on the run, trying to protect and provide for ourselves, look after our own? We've got to be committed to God's mission prioritized over politics or anything else. That doesn't mean you can't be involved if you feel called to, if you feel like that's important. But the priorities have to be God first. What if your political party sweeps the vote? What if Senate, House, Presidency, Supreme Court, everything lines up exactly the way your beliefs say social structures should be? Economics should be, authority should be. What if all of the events of 2020 pan out the way you want? All of the social unrest, all of the politics, all the economics, all of the virus stuff, 
But if everything seems to be resolved, and if we have peace and prosperity, comfort, and no one knows God, are we okay with that? Does that upset us? What's, what's your priority going to be? It's okay to be involved in politics. But I'm afraid. I'm seeing in my own life how little I care if people go to hell. If people don't want to know God. If people don't want to trust and follow Him. I'm much more content doing my to-do list. And just staying in my own little sphere, my own little lordship, my own kingdom, trying to do the right thing, and then letting that be enough. Instead of waking up every day, pledging allegiance to Jesus, and spending as much time with Him as I can to be more like Him. I appreciate in the Gospels... uh, Jesus says politics can have its place. He says you've got to decide what you want to do, what's right, how you're going to spend your time, how you're going to act, who you're going to give money to. Jesus didn't choose a political side. He was approached with a politically charged question, and he refused to choose sides. He said give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. He refused to choose, acknowledge one group, one party, one tribe as right or wrong. And uh, he also refused to let people off the hook for not allying with God. So I want to remind us that God has his own agenda and his priority is always first. I want to ask, what is your euangelion? What is your gospel? What do you believe is real life to the full and what are you preaching what are you sharing over coffee or tapping away on your phone or your computer what are you being loud about what are people hearing from you where is your trust and security who do you really believe will provide peace healing or prosperity all of this is above Ultimately, political involvement and affiliation. The closer I've gotten to God, my indifference has increased towards politics. Not because I don't love people, but because I do. The more I love God, the more I love people, and I'm seeing things with an eternal perspective. What do people really need? What do people really want? What are people really looking for? I see God as our medicine, our therapy, our justice. Whatever I am looking for from man, God can provide better. We just sang it with the good, good father. I see so many searching for answers far and wide, but I know we are all searching for answers only you provide because you know just what we need before we say a word. I have to ask myself if I really believe that. In verse 23 of Isaiah 40, what we just read, he said he brings princes to naught 
reduces rulers of this world to nothing. It's all negligible to God. If he wants to snap his fingers, he can have anything be the way he wants. And I have to remind myself that he is involved, he is aware, he's willing, he's got plans. Politics can have its place. It's not good, it's not bad, it's, it's, it's there, it's real, it's messy, it's life. But the priority has to always be allegiance to God first. I think also I've learned that my emotions reflect where my faith really is. And it's easy to ask people around us what we get emotional towards. What, what, what heat do we give off? What are we passionate about? Am I more passionate about what I see on the news or read? Social issues, people sharing articles? Or am I more passionate about... God's agenda. I've asked myself, am I growing in childlike faith? Joy over my salvation? Do I weep over my sin? Am I upset that my neighbors are spiritually lost, harassed, and wayward? Am I determined to not be shallow in prayer and Bible study and relationships? And I've asked other people around me, do I seem more animated? Spiritually or socio-politically? Because one requires faith and one doesn't. We need to be passionate ambassadors. I love the beginning of this chapter. He talks about comforting people. I believe God's ambassadors should be agents of comfort. Sharing good news. The chapter begins... A voice of one calling. And then again, a few verses later, a voice says cry. And then later, you who bring good tidings, herald of good news, over and over again, it's about sharing that, sharing good news. I want to encourage us to be vocal, to be not just emotionally connected with the gospel, but to be loud about it, to share, to be bold and courageous. The scriptures talk so much about being bold and making the most of every opportunity. And uh, I think of even like Keith's sermon uh, on Sunday about going after the wayward and being zealous to cut out sin and loving people enough to have hard conversations about their sin. Is this what our priorities are? Lastly, um, I wanted to say that there's, there's good news by faith in 2020. There's also good news by reason, without faith. There's an increased amount of anxiety, worry, fear in our social atmosphere. I don't really believe it's coming from our physical interactions with other people. I think it's coming from our digital interactions. I don't think that the news is trying to produce faith in God, love for people, wisdom, or even truth to its readers. I think often, unfortunately, 
The agenda is to maximize profits, increase readership, engagement, and methods that can be employed, catastrophizing, scandal, drama, half-truths, polarizing. These are easy, low-hanging fruits to get what they want. I know I'm painting with a broad, a broad brush, and that may not be completely fair, but that's a trend that I'm seeing as a whole, and it's very concerning to me. I think that if we aren't careful in vetting the information that we allow ourselves to consume and expose ourselves to, then we are just fed garbage. Mm-hmm. And well, better way to confuse the flock than pulling the wool over their eyes. Exactly. It's it's all just a sideshow that takes us completely out of the fight. I think. Yeah, I think of like a herd of a herd of prey animals, like the smallest hint, like whiff of a predator or noise. It's like it sends the whole herd. It sends yeah, the back into a frenzy. An animal on the outskirts panics, and then all of a sudden the entire herd is like stampeding, and it was like it was because like a rock fell. Like, yeah, that might help keep you alive. My point is like we can we can do that with each other by sharing articles and pointing fingers and arguing in comments online or I don't know it just it just seems so petty when you read Isaiah 40 and God's like I hung the stars I know each one by name rulers are literally nothing to me I can measure the coastlines with my shoelace and put all the mountains on like a scale and measure their mass and density and weight and like everything is just so small to him and but I want to encourage us that even without faith just thinking reasonably that war famine corruption Plague. There's so many things that are just part of the human experience that have always been around. And it's easy to see anything bad happening now and just fixate on it. And like I was saying, with just trends of communication that we've had, it can just kind of grow and grow and grow in our minds. And I think the reality is that our society has the most comfort, the most amenities, the most security, the least amount of violence, the least corruption, food security, fresh water, homes, clothes, like we have more than anyone ever, ever, ever. And we can take it for granted because it's our baseline and it's all we know, but it's it's not that bad, really. Like 2020 hasn't been that bad and maybe maybe I'm just sharing from my own experience and I've just had a pretty good year <laughs> I, I don't think it's unreasonable to say that 2020 hasn't been as bad as we really believe it to be and I think it's just going to take faith to step away from where our heads are at right now and what we're focusing on and for me, that's just been totally unplugging from the news and politics, and because I, I just can't I just can't focus on it right now. And I'm I'm not I'm not preaching that from the pulpit, you know, commanding. I I don't I'm not saying it's ethical or unethical to do one or the other. I'm just saying 
God is my sustenance right now, and that's Man. all I'm focusing on, and I'm just trying to navigate everything this year has been for my family and to do it well. Um, so I want to take some time to pray. Um, what time does midweek normally end? Eight? <laughs> oh, good. Um, yeah, let, let's take five, seven minutes, and just whoever's in your row, let's just take some time to pray. Um, we're going to end the live stream now, but uh, I encourage the people at home to not unplug mentally, but to join us in prayer. And I really want us to pray for our nation, um, not because I think Americans are, are better than anyone else, but that's because this is where we are. So I, I think we should pray for our nation, for people to trust and follow Jesus. And I think we should pray for our leaders to have wisdom and pray for an atmosphere of uh, humility and unity and love.